Hey, Andy Jenkins here with the Overflow Podcast, and want to take a uh, well. I tell you, I was going to actually start talking about the ladder today and start moving into some of the information about the upcoming men's event, the men's advance that we're doing in Nashville, Tennessee. I'll, um, I've actually already got that one as of the recording of this. I've already got that recorded. I've got goodness two, three lessons recorded. Already have even timed out, ready to just release on Tuesdays and Saturdays when I release the updates of this podcast. Um, but. I want to step back right now for a moment. We we've got a few friends that are praying together. We had a had a friend, uh, had a had a brother that faced a a huge tragedy uh, over the last weekend, and I I don't want to go into the details of it. I it, it's it's important, but it's not something that should be aired you know here through this venue. Um, but what we've done is we've gotten a group of guys together. We've just got this little thread of 15 guys or so that are praying regularly for this family that are um, really uplifting them. And uh, aside from all that, I, I really just wanted to teach some information um, really for those guys. Um, but I thought I would just teach it and relate to them uh, about how we pray and how we, let me use the term here, like how we war uh, for people, how we fight for people, how we um, spiritually battle for people. Maybe maybe that's even the good term um, for this. And I thought that it was so important that I, I would record it and then I would share it with them, but I would also give it to you. And whether or not you know the situation that has prompted this and has brought this uh, really the need of this information to the surface, this would be information that you would be able to use in any area of your life. So often, I think we've got the idea that we've got to roll up our sleeves and go fight the devil. Here's the truth. You and I aren't fighting the devil. Jesus has already fought the enemy. He's defeated the enemy. The Bible says that in the book of Colossians that on the cross, he stripped the enemy of his power. He stripped him of his authority. And now Jesus has all authority. That's in Matthew 28. And he empowers us to walk in that authority. He empowers us to live the life we're designed to live now. And that life doesn't include you and I going in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. Now, a lot of times you run into Christians and they have this idea that we are in this war. And Paul says, yeah, we struggle not with flesh and blood, but with princes and principalities and powers in the air and things that you can't see. And and he tells us because of this, you know, take up the shield of faith. And he says, pray in the spirit at all times. And so what I want to do is maybe in the next, oh goodness, I'm thinking maybe 45 minutes to an hour. I'm, I'm certainly hoping I can do it quicker than that. I just want to talk you through just some of the basics here of what I think is just kind of this spiritual spiritual warfare type thing. And really, how is it that we fight? And, and how do we fight without fighting? Or how do we war without warring? Or how do we, let's just do it like this, how do we wrestle from a position of already having the victory rather than wrestling for Victory. How do we live from the victorious life, which has already been won by Christ, rather than seeking to strive to accomplish that? Now, by the way, I'm going to put some notes to this, 
and I'll just put the link in the show notes right here. I'm going to put it on my website. You don't have to opt in. You don't have to do anything like that. Go to the homepage of the podcast. And again, the link's going to be here in the show notes if you're listening to this from iTunes or Stitcher or if you're listening from Libsyn or anything like that. Go to the link in the show notes right there. It's going to take you to my page on my website, which is going to be Jenkins.tv slash podcast. It's going to take you to that page or Jenkins.tv slash P slash podcast. It'll take you to that. And if you'll just look on this episode, which will right now, if you're listening to this right now, it's going to be up at the top. And uh, right there, it'll just say, click here for the notes, click, and then you've got it, and then you can research it. You can look up all the verses. They'll all be right there. All right, and so that's how we'll roll. Now, let me do this. Let me give you some foundational information first about praying and leading from victory rather than praying for victory. Here's the foundational information, okay? Foundational point number one is this. Everything that has happened to Christ has already happened to you. Everything that's happened to Jesus has happened to you, and that's what you need to live from. Okay, so let me just break that down into a few subpoints. Um, the Bible says, kind of little idea number one is, you've been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. The life I live, I, not only I live, but Christ lives through me. Okay, Galatians 2.20 says, you've been crucified with Christ, and now he's living through you. Um, this is because Colossians 3.3 says, you died with him. Okay, so when he died, Colossians 3.3 says, you died. Romans 6.4 says, not only was Jesus buried 2,000 years ago, but somehow your spirit man transcended time. And when he was buried, you were buried. And then Romans 6.8, and again, you can look up all these verses. are going to be in the show notes. Romans 6.8 says that when he rose from the dead, that you rose from the dead with him. And then get this, it's not that you're just now living a resurrected life, okay? And, and let me just make this, this is an important point right here. So often Christians think that, we believe that um, Christ died in our place so that at the end of our life, we don't have to die in our place for our sin. We get to go to heaven. That That's true and not true. Here's, here's what he did. He died in our place, but the life we now live, like in this moment now, is not the sin-stained, sin-marked life. The life you live now is that resurrected life. It is the post-out-of-the-grave life, post-out-of-the-tomb life that Jesus lived. Okay, and I, and I hope that makes sense. We can talk about that at another time. So the scripture teaches then that the next thing that happened to Jesus after the resurrection was 40 days later, he ascended up to the throne. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. You see this happen in the book of Acts chapter 1, about verse 6, 7, and 8. He ascends up to the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 1.20 says this, that he's seated high above all princes and principalities and all powers of the air, that he has authority over all things. And here's what's amazing about that, because remember, the main point that I'm starting off with is Everything that happened to Jesus has happened to you. If it happened to him, it's happened to you. Okay, so he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 2, 6 says you're seated with him right now at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so here's what that means is if Christ is above all princes and principalities, powers of the air, that means that you are above that as well. 
you are seated in the heavenlies with him. Yeah, like simultaneously, you're walking around on this earth right now, yet your spirit can commune with God and you can hear his voice clearly and you can hear him clearly because you're up there with him right now. And that, that means this, and this is why the authors of the New Testament say things like uh, Colossians 3, 4 says that when he's fully revealed in all of his glory, uh, like the glory that we see in Christ and have seen in Christ, it's not the full overwhelmingly view of his glory that we're going to see one day. The scripture says that when he's revealed in all of that, and when we see all of that radiance, that you're actually going to be revealed with him. Okay? So it's this amazing reality, and this is foundational truth number one that I want you to get. When Again, we're talking about praying from victory, not praying for victory. The foundational truth number one is that everything that's happened to Christ has already, has already, past tense, it has already happened to you. And you and I are getting to live the experience of that now. Okay? That means this. There's this idea of sanctification that you run across in the New Testament. And Bible scholars, theologians, Bible teachers, pastors, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, a lot of them think that sanctification is this process of becoming more and more and more holy. Uh, Sanctification, however, I don't think is a process of becoming more holy. It's a process of waking up and awakening to the holiness and to the reality of the things that are already true with you. Okay, Sanctification, again, is not a process of God redeeming you, of God restoring you. It is a process of seeing the great work that Christ has already completed in you. Okay, You can't live out of a reality that you don't know that exists. You can't access power that you don't know is there. You can't experience the goodness of a gift if you don't know that that gift is yours. You have to open it, you have to look at it, you have to see it, and then you have to experience it, okay? A lot of times you'll hear people talk, well-intended, and and this is not a slam, this is just well-intended, and I'm just kind of reporting what I see, is a lot of times Christians will argue for their right to kill sin in their life, and they'll say things like, oh, I need to kill this sin, or I need to die to that thing. Well, if you're living the resurrected life, If you're living a life that is post-cross, post-death, post-rising from the tomb, then that stuff has already been killed in you, and you don't need to kill that. You need to awaken to the experience that Christ has already killed that because you died 2,000 years ago. You need to awaken to the fact that you've risen from the dead and awaken to the fact that you're now seated at the right hand of the Father. This is why... Uh, like the Apostle John would say things in 1 John four seventeen, He says, as he is right now, as Jesus is right now, so are we in this world. As Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, above all princes and principalities, as Jesus is perfectly in relationship with his heavenly Father, as Jesus is walking in wholeness, as Jesus is walking in full acceptance, as Jesus is walking in emotional health, as Jesus is, you could could fill in the blank with anything that Jesus is, as he is now, so also are you in this world. And that is a foundational thing that you and I have to get deep into our spirit as we start praying and leading from victory, not praying, striving, struggling for victory. 
Okay, let me give you foundational point number two. Foundational point number two is that the kingdom of God is a kingdom, and it functions on rank, order, and authority. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is not a it is not a capitalistic society. The kingdom of God is a kingdom. Now, I, I know that you've seen bad kings and bad kingdoms. I mean, goodness, we've seen bad democracies, right? And we've seen uh, perversions of that. The kingdom of God is a kingdom, though, and it is a kingdom in a healthy way. Now, that means that the benevolent king exists. And the benevolent king serves uh, everyone who is in his authority. Um, that also means the ones that he sets in authority. Uh, Jesus says this, uh, that whoever should be great among you should be the servant of all. And the first would be last, right? And so there's this idea of rank, order, authority in this kingdom, which is a different kind of kingdom, but it still functions on rank, order, and authority. Um, let, let me give you an example of how this rank, order, and authority and everything works in the kingdom of God. Okay, so uh, let's say that I have, I've got a house. In fact, right now I'm sitting in the attic of my house, overlooking the backyard. That's where I kind of record this from. Okay, so I'm in my house, and let's say that I'm leaving town for the week, and you need a place to stay, and so I give you the keys to my house, and I say, here's the keys. Um, Take them, enjoy it. I have delegated the authority I have over my house to you. And so now you have access to the entire house because I gave it to you. So here's what I'm hoping would happen if you're using my house. I'm hoping that you'll sleep in a bed, right? Now, I may not say this. I may not say, hey, sleep in a bed. But I'm hoping that you'll access those keys and you'll sleep in the bed instead of just bringing a sleeping bag and sleeping out in the backyard. Uh, I'm hoping that... We, we bought a, a half a cow not too long ago. And so we've got all kinds of meat and steak in the freezer. I'm hoping that you'll just help yourself to that and that you'll eat whatever you, you need. Like, like I'm, I'm hoping that you won't starve while you're here um, or that you won't just rummage through the leftover cereal or whatever that you can find, you know, that's in the pantry that my kids left there. I'm actually hoping that you'll take a shower too, that you'll be comfortable, that maybe you even you'll use this big tub that we've got in the master bedroom. I'm hoping that you'll do that instead of just going in the backyard and hosing yourself off whenever you need to clean up. Does that, that make sense? Now, why would I do that? Well, it's because I gave you the keys to my house, and I'm expecting because I gave you authority uh, to use my house. I delegated the use of the home to you. I'm hoping that you'll access, that you'll leverage the benefits of that house. It was mine. I gave you access. Now, that's important to understand is the giving of access because if I didn't give you access and if you started doing those things, you would really be trespassing and stealing. Like if you came into my house and you went and slept in my bed, and I didn't give you the keys to the house. Even though I'm out of town, and even though the house is empty, you are a trespasser. You're doing the same things. The only difference is I gave you the authority in one instance. I didn't give you the authority in the second instance. And if I didn't give you the authority, it's not going to go well for you. You see it? I mean, if you came in and ate any of my meat, not necessarily even all of it, you just helped yourself just to one serving, and I didn't give you authority, now you are a thief and you are stealing. You're taking something that's not yours. It wasn't designed for you. Why? 
because you weren't giving authority to do that. Okay, so what's the correlation here? Here's what I see kind of in the kingdom of God in Christian circles is a lot of times there are things that we are neglecting. We've been given authority over them. We've been given the keys to the kingdom, for instance. That's just straight Bible. We've been given the keys to the house as sons and daughters, yet we're not leveraging and using the benefits of everything we've been given. On the other hand, there are also areas that we don't need to go where we could be trespassing. And the only difference is whether or not you've been given authority and permission to use those areas. Okay, so let me give you another uh, maybe observation about authority. Okay, and and I promise you, this authority thing is going to completely make sense in just a moment when we're talking about um, leading from victory and praying from victory rather than struggling, striving to pray for that victory. Okay, so let me uh, let me say it like this. There are multiple tiers of authority. And now this just isn't in the kingdom of God. This is in the whole universe. There's multiple levels, multiple tiers of authority. Now, let me give it to you on a low level, and then you can just kind of understand it in basic geography here where I live in downtown Birmingham. And then if you understand that, you can apply it, and we can kind of make the correlation with the kingdom of God. All right, so in downtown Birmingham, I've got a friend that was running a ministry, Baptist Campus Ministries. Uh, at UAB, University of Alabama at Birmingham. It's an incredible college. It's been expanding for years, and they have been growing and gobbling up all these little parcels of property in the downtown area. They've been grabbing up empty parcels. They've also been declaring eminent domain on some of the parcels that they had a right to that were contiguous to the school. Now, about six or eight years ago, I think it's been that long ago, uh, my friend that was working in the Baptist Campus Ministries, they got a letter from UAB that said, hey, we like the location of your real estate, of your property, and so we're going to come take it, we're going to level it, we're going to make a quad, that's just a fancy word for a park in the middle of the city, like green space in between lots of buildings where you put lots of trees and people can sit out there and eat and that sort of thing and fly kites or sit and read books. So we're going to level your building that has a great space for ministry. We're going to make a quad and we're going to give you other space and we're going to build you a building. So we're going to compensate you for it, but we're going to take this prime location, prime real estate for our use. All right, so what happened in that instance? Well, a higher authority came into a lower authority. They had a right to the land, right? Like I couldn't have gone, and in the first example, just to kind of blur the examples together, I couldn't have walked in there and spent the night without permission or it would have been trespassing. I couldn't have walked in there and taken their meat or if I didn't have permission, it would be stealing, But now all of a sudden, a higher authority comes in and says, hey, we're not letting us spend the night on this land. We're not only going to take the meat, like we're taking the whole land and we're leveling your building. Yeah, we'll compensate you. But they just declared the higher authority trumps the lower authority. 
Um, let me give you another example. Um, not too far from that building, there is a new baseball stadium that was built several years ago, Regions Park, downtown Birmingham. Uh, they moved the Birmingham Barons from way out in the suburbs right down to downtown. Now, in order to build Regions Park and in order to build Railroad Park, Regions Park is a baseball stadium. Railroad Park is like a park park. Like you go playing with grass and green space and walking trails and a little pond and uh, swings and slides and everything for the kids. In order to build both of those things beside each other, the city of Birmingham declared eminent domain and literally leveled several warehouses. Now, the people got compensated, but because of eminent domain, the higher authority appealed to the lower authority, and it really wasn't even an appeal. It was just a decision that was made. It was just a, hey, we are arguing this from victory. We're not arguing this for a victory. We're going to compensate you, but you're done. And so now, uh, downtown, where there used to be a Domino's Pizza and where there used to be like this little makeshift skateboard park and where there used to be several other small businesses and where there used to be some storage warehouses, now there is a park called Railroad Park where you can go play with your kids and there is Regents Park where the Birmingham Barons play. Now, imagine this hypothetical example. Right now, the state of Alabama and the federal government are doing a highway project right there, I-65 and Highway 2059 that intersects right through downtown. They are doing a massive overhaul of that interchange. They're doing a huge project right there, and it it is. They're gobbling up a little bit of land, a little few parcels right there. They're declaring eminent domain on that. What if they're a higher authority, right? So what if they decided, hey, Regents Park, it's about a half a mile from the interstate as it exists. Not, not even that far. It's a few blocks. We want to move the interstate over. Instead of trying to widen this thing where it is, as it is, we're just going to build a whole new one. And we want to take that land right through your baseball stadium. And we want to take the corner of Railroad Park. Could they do that? And the answer is yes. The state of Alabama could come in and they could be a higher authority and they could take that land by appealing. And it wouldn't even be an appeal, right? It would be taking over a lower authority. Okay, do you see that? And here's maybe another example, another way to understand this is the federal government could come in and they could say, hey, guess what? What we want to do is, I know you got your project going where you want to build this highway, but no, no, you can't build the highway. What we want to do is we want to turn, we want to declare martial law and we want to turn Regions Park into a tent city. Uh, we want to declare martial law and turn it into a tent city for victims of, well, there's this hurricane that just blew through um, Houston, Texas. So, so they could say, we, we want to declare, maybe martial law is a little bit extreme, but we, we wanted to use that for disaster relief. And so we're going we're gonna to let people live there. We're going to set up tents inside. We're going to use this and, and have a triage where we can do medical and where we can feed people and we can even help people find places to live because you guys haven't been affected by that hurricane. And so what we're doing is we're taking over this and they could. Here's what I'm getting at, is the higher authority has the final say every single time. And you got to remember, the kingdom of God is a kingdom. There's rank, there's order, there's authority. And the difference in using the authority is, go back to the house example, is whether or not you had permission 
or not to go into that area. Okay, and, and again, to kind of use these two different points that I've made together, the difference between walking in your authority and getting slimed uh, and, and it not going well for you, the difference in it going well or not going well is to, first of all, use the things that you've been given. Use the authority. Use my house. Use the food. Use the things you have been given, but the things you have not been given, not to walk in those things. That's where things start getting jacked up, messed up. All right. So spiritually, let's talk about the rank authority in the kingdom. Here's here's what I think. In the universe, in the universe there are three realms. Three realms, three spheres of authority. Now, now I know we could get into other things. I'm, I'm not talking about like um, civil authority and pastoral authority and you know, family authority. Three realm, three overarching, like all those kinds of authority would fall into um, these realms. Here's what here's what you've got. Number one is you have the created realm that you can see with your eyes. That is the created realm, like these trees that I'm looking at in the backyard. That is the created realm that we live in. That is the seen things that we walk in every single day. That is what we observe with our eyes. That's what we taste, touch, feel. That is the realm that your body lives in. That's kind of where you walk and where we live and move and breathe is this creative realm. The second realm is also created, but it is an unseen spiritual realm. And it is the realm where, where, well, gosh, it simultaneously exists right where this first realm does. That means inside of my house right now where I'm sitting in the attic, there could be an angel sitting next to me. Inside um, the, I mean, this this wouldn't even be a leap. Like you, you would you would agree with this is if you walk through kind of a shady area of town, it's a first realm because you can walk in it with your body, but you start seeing uh, with your physical eyes and sensing and feeling with spiritual eyes with your soul. You start just getting this feeling that there's more going on here that there's more than just what I see with the naked eye, that's when you're starting to realize that, yes, there are two realms that simultaneously are created that exist that are right there, okay? There's also a third realm, and the third realm is this. The third realm, I believe, is the uncreated realm. It's the realm of God. It's where He is. It's where He exists. Um, and, and here's kind of the footnote. Many Christians believe that that second realm, that spiritual realm that you can't see, and the third realm that you can't see, many Christians believe that those are the same thing. I don't think they are. I think there are, okay, let me just break it apart, that there are two spiritual realms. One is created, one is uncreated. Okay, God himself exists in a time and space that's not linear time and space. Like it occupies real time and space and occupies, I would even say, matter of some sort, which you got to remember, he created that, but yet he's uncreated. But he still is a real thing, a real person that somehow, and that's just how we understand him as a person because that's kind of how he reveals himself to us. But he, he occupies real time and space, but the same space he occupies is not the same space the enemy occupies. Like, like we sometimes get this idea in Christian theology that Jesus is a good God and the devil is a bad uh, arch enemy of Jesus. Like Jesus and the devil are just equal opposite counterparts. And, and what I would remind you of this is 
the devil is not the equal opposite of Jesus. The, the devil is a fallen angel that rebelled against God's authority in heaven in that uncreated realm where God exists, and God kicked him out of heaven. Okay, this is why in Luke 10, Jesus says, I saw Satan falling like lightning for the sky. This is why we read in Ezekiel and we read in the book of Isaiah about Lucifer falling from the sky. He was kicked out of that uncreated realm, that space that God occupies. And I would say this is the space uh, this is the space where Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the space, this uncreated third realm, where now you sit. Okay, so first realm, let me just review and we're going to flesh it out a little bit more. First realm is the created realm. That's what you experience with your body. That's what you and I walk around. Second realm is the unseen created realm where angels and demons occupy. It's the spiritual realm that is created. It is not the same as the third realm, which is where you're seated in the heavenlies, which is the realm of God himself. Now, Throughout the scripture, let me just kind of give you maybe some reference points for this. Some uh, maybe hangers just to set some ideas, some shelves just to set some ideas on. Okay, Paul claims that he was taken up into the third heaven. Um, he says, like 2 Corinthians 12, 12, I was caught up in the third heaven about 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't remember. I don't know. He was caught up into the not first realm, not second realm, third realm. Um, Stephen says that he saw the heavens open. He saw the Son of Man, that's Jesus, standing as he was being stoned. What did he see? Did he see angels and demons? No. He saw a different realm. He didn't see like spiritual war. He saw that uncreated realm of the throne where God exists. Um, Jesus spoke to a thief on the cross and he said, hey, today you will be with me in paradise. That's in Luke chapter 23. Where was he talking about? He's saying, hey, you won't be caught up in that realm where angels and demons are fighting. You're not going to be caught in this spiritual war zone. You're going to be above that third realm, paradise. You'll be with me. This is what I think um, that... Jesus is talking about when he says in John chapter 14, you know, in my father's house, there are many mansions. I go prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place, not in the middle of spiritual war, not in the middle of the second realm. I'm going to prepare a place for you in the third realm, in the dwelling place of God. This is what in Revelation, when John is caught up and he starts seeing what's going on in the throne, this is where he's caught up. He's caught up into the very presence of God. That presence of God is not is not where spiritual war is happening. And remember, all through the book of Revelation, John is seeing a snapshot in heaven, and then he's coming down to earth. And when he comes down to earth, when he comes down to the created realm, John has this unique vision where he can see the created physical things, first realm, and he can see the created spiritual things, second realm. And that second realm is affecting the first, but it's not affecting the first as much as the third realm, okay? So let me just repeat them. Realm one is the physical that you experience with the body, okay? It's where you and I live. It's what our bodies inhabit. It's uh, our houses are here. Our cars are here. Our books are here. uh, Our cell phones are here. Our pets are here. We live in the first realm, okay? The second realm is a created realm. Also, it is a spiritual realm. This is the realm where angels and demons fight. Um, The actions that take place there, they matter in the first realm, but you and I don't live there. 
And, and I would say, like, go back to the house example, okay? You and I have been given access and given authority in the first realm, okay? Jesus' great commission, Matthew 28, um, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Uh, Mark 16, a different version of the great commission. He says, I have given you authority to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I've given you the authority, he says in Luke, to tread scorpions and serpents. Okay, that authority has been given to you in the first realm, not the second realm. Now, the third realm is this. The third realm is the realm where God dwells. Um, And God doesn't merely live in a secluded version of the second realm. Like This is qualitatively, quantitatively, a different, higher place altogether than that second realm. And you and I have been given authority in the third realm. Okay, so do you see it? First realm, you and I have authority. Go, use the key, sleep on the bed, take a shower, eat the meat. You and I, second realm, I don't think we've been given authority. Third realm, you do have authority. Third realm is something you and I can live in and fight in simultaneously. Of course, the fighting there is fighting from a position of sitting, sitting at the right hand there of the Father with Jesus. Here's what's interesting. Psalm says that we're seated at the right hand of the Father yet the needy are seated at the left hand of Jesus, which means like you're seated between the Father and the Son. Okay, that's that's a very interesting kind of tidbit there. Okay, that third realm is the uncreated realm of God. That's where you and I have authority. Okay, so here's, here's what I'm getting at. Um, if you pray and if you start waging war and if you start going combating with the enemy that that's going to be like um that's going to be let's just use an example that that's going to be like stepping in the boxing ring with conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather fighting against both of them at the same time you don't have the authority to do that you are going to get slimed i would get slimed by that Um, now we, we could, and, and I know this is a faulty analogy, all analogies break down. We, we could um, sit you know, in, in the seats beneath them and we could watch that stuff going on. Um, or we could sit beneath them um, and make some calls up to the press box and maybe they can you know, pull some strings or something or start flipping off lights or throwing in some stuff to you know, affect how that fight goes on. Or you and I could just sit up there in the press box and we could have some of that going on too. Does that make sense? But, but, but if we're up there, we're fighting from victory, not fighting for victory. We're not rebuking the devil and taking him on. In fact, you look in the scripture um, and I'd say Satan, again, is a high-ranking fallen angel. He is not a high-ranking fallen God. He is not the equal opposite of Jesus. He's a high-ranking fallen angel, and you see um, that even Satan was contending for the body of Moses. We see this in Scripture. He was contending for the body of Moses, and even the archangels wouldn't argue with him. They let the Lord rebuke him because they knew kind of when they were getting over the bounds of their authority. And so if an angel knows, hey, I'm getting over the bounds of my authority, this guy's been stripped of his authority, he's been stripped of his power, but he's still strong. He's been stripped of this, but I, I still need to kind of tread and watch how I'm going, still need to see what's going on here. If angels were doing that, how much more should you and I just kind of stay in the third realm and let the Holy Spirit and let Jesus do the warring 
for us. Okay. Now, rank, order, authority, different spheres. Each different sphere has a way of doing things. And hopefully this will make sense. Like I'm just kind of layering idea upon idea upon idea. Just really the goal here is kind of just let you see uh, maybe how these things work. And I think if I kind of... If I maybe show you that, and if if I maybe kind of just kind of pull it back and show you the bigger picture, I, th- I think you'll be able to start fleshing this out on your own. So um, let's do it like this: in each realm, there are different ways in which these different realms work. First realm, second realm, third realm. Okay, so um, different rules, so to speak, different quote laws unquote uh, different things that apply. Now these laws apply whether or not you and I like the laws. Um, these things, uh, let me give you just an example from the first realm. In the first realm, gravity always applies. It doesn't matter whether you like it or dislike it, gravity always applies. Um, Time always applies, and time as a constant always applies in the first realm. These things are always true in the first realm. In fact, you don't fall victim to the law of gravity. If, if I, I'm in the third floor of my attic right, recording this, if I decide to raise the window and jump out off to the roof of the second floor, which is slightly below me, and then just leap as far as I can into the yard, I'd probably fall, break a bone, you know, maybe even worse. I wouldn't fall a victim to gravity in that situation. I would just be illustrating the truth of gravity, what you and I already know to be true, and then, you know, my body would start healing, hopefully, over time, because gravity is a constant, time's a constant. We don't fall victim to these laws. We just illustrate the truth of them. Okay. Um, in the second realm, in the unseen realm, let me let me give you some constants that you would know to be true. Um, giving and receiving, as laws always apply, uh, it's always more blessed to give than to receive. That's always going to be true. Okay, and we simply illustrate that when we participate in that. Uh, blessing and cursing. It always applies in the second realm. We can use our words to speak life. We can use our words to bless and give peace, or we can speak condemnation and death. That's a truth that always works in the second realm. What is the second realm? The second realm is the created spiritual realm. And remember, the third realm is the uncreated spiritual realm where God dwells, okay? Um, In the second realm, reaping and sowing, it always applies. Um, you always reap what you sow. You always reap after you sow it. You always reap more than you sow. Um, you guys understand the concepts of reaping and sowing. Now, again, it doesn't matter if you believe in these laws or like these laws. They always apply whether you like them or not. Let's move to the third realm. In the third realm, here's things that are always, always, always true. And remember, it doesn't matter if in the first realm we reinterpret it differently It doesn't matter if we disagree with it. It doesn't matter if we don't like it. These things are always true. It doesn't matter if somebody has a better argument against it. These things are always true. God is always, always in the third realm. God is always love. And that realm has authority over the second realm and over the first realm, okay? Just like the federal government could take Regents Field or Regents Park, just like the state could take the land to make Regents Park, okay? That higher authority always trumps and it always trickles down, okay? So love, we read from Paul, never fails. It is where we camp out. It is always the right response. Now, love sometimes leads you to do some hard things, for sure. 
Um, love sometimes leads you to do some complex things. It's not always it's not always tidy. It's not always easy. But love is the rule. It is the way of governing in the third realm. Um, another one that is always true in the third realm is this: God is always, always holy. Okay, that is always true in the third realm. There's never an instance where He sheds His holiness. Um, there's never an instance where our, our get this. Uh, in the first realm, we think that someone else's uncleanliness can taint us and make us, if we're clean, unclean. Okay? But God is third realm. And so when Jesus is walking this earth, he touches lepers and he touches lepers because he is clean and he's holy. And there's never an instance where he sheds that. And so if he touches a leper, he's not going to become unclean by touching a leper that's unclean. Okay? The third realm's a higher authority, so it trickles down. It overpowers, and the cleanliness is the thing that is contagious, okay? It all comes down from above. Um, third realm, here's another truth. God is always, 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 always spirit, okay? And, and again, because you're in the third realm, you're always spirit too, and that is always the strongest part of you. So even when you're walking in the first realm, even when Jesus comes into human form and becomes a man, he inhabits a body, but he's spirit. Okay, and, and that means in order for Jesus to die, what does he have to do first? Okay, you saw this. He has to first give up his spirit because that's stronger. He is always, always, always spirit. Okay, so again, you, you got it. Let me kind of repeat it. Let me put it all together. The third realm is uncreated. It is the realm of God. It's the realm of His glory. It is His throne. It's His presence. Um, He existed before all things. Um, He existed before anything was created. That third realm is eternal. It's always been. It will always be. And we shouldn't kind of conflate. We shouldn't join the spiritual second realm with that third realm. Okay, that third realm is inhabited by God. John sees it in the book of Revelation. Paul sees it um, at the Mount of Transfiguration. This is another one. Peter, James, and John likely see that third realm. In Ezekiel 47, when he sees the tree of life, he sees into that third realm. When Isaiah is taken up into heaven, okay, uh, when he says, I saw the Lord, and he's high and lifted up. Isaiah 6, he's taken into that third realm. He's not taken into spiritual war. He's not taken into the second realm. He's taken into the inhabiting place of God that we can interact where we're seated with our spirit. Second realm, the second realm is created, okay? It was created. All things were created by the Word of God, okay? Jesus is the Word. All things were created by Him. They're created for Him. That means even the second realm where angels live, okay? And angels go back and forth between the second and third realm, Okay, and you see Satan do that. Satan, in the book of Job, comes from patrolling the earth, which is the first realm, and he goes back to the realm of God to the third. So somehow he gets access. We don't know when this was, um, but he gets access there to the third realm somehow. Um, The second realm is inhabited by spiritual beings. Satan lives here. Um, And again, don't confuse the second and the first realm, or the second and the third realm. Don't join those together. Um, In this realm... In the second realm, there is an ongoing spiritual battle. It'll culminate with God's intervention. Um, God will win. Okay. Now, spiritual battles are fought in the second realm, and they often manifest in the first realm. Um, like demons can cause confusion, and that'll come out in the first realm. Demons can cause 
Um, I, I believe they can cause storms. Like who caused the storm at sea? Jesus was that. I don't think God caused that. Um, who causes um, natural disaster and chaos? Okay, it, it may just be a byproduct of a fallen world, um, but but somehow like the chaos of the second realm and of the fall and of spiritual war manifests a lot of times in the first realm, um, and you can interact with that realm, but it's uh, like it's uh, it's not a realm where you and I have been given authority. Go back to my house example. You have the keys to the kingdom in the first realm. You can heal the sick. You can um, do whatever you want to in the first realm. You can dwell in the third realm. But you and I, like when we walk around in that second realm, like we're, we are, I believe we are trespassing. We're walking into something that's not ours. Okay, first realm, easy. That's created. Physical beings live here. That is another created realm, okay? You can see it, galaxies, stars, things far away. That's all first realm too. Um, And and in this realm, you know, you can see entropy present. You can see things winding down um, unless there's intervention, you know, from the third realm bringing bringing life, okay? Now, in the Garden of Eden, you actually see all three realms are present, okay? And that means God's designed us to live in these realms, um, but right now we're living in the first and the third realm, okay? And again, the higher realms affect the lower realms. Um, the problem is a lot of times you and I are trying to live this thing backwards and we're trying to move from the first realm in our body and pray and fight up through the second realm and we're going to war and we're going to, here's a phrase I hear a lot when we're, we're trying to fight up, okay? So we're trying to fight up from the first realm. We're trying to fight up and bind and loose things. That's a telltale sign when somebody starts trying to bind and loose that they're going to war in the second realm, and they may be opening themselves up to be slimed. Um, binding and loosing, by the way, listen to podcast episode. Let me look it up. I think it's 11, where I actually talk about binding and loosing. Binding and loosing is not a spiritual warfare issue. Binding and loosing is a rabbinical term about Jesus giving us authority to interpret Scripture and giving us authority over making rules and laws and, and creating a way of life and trying to live His yoke and trying to do our best with the with the Christian life. It's, it's an interpretation of like spiritual transformation. It's not... A spiritual warfare issue. And the telltale sign is when you get into like binding and loosing and people are starting to do spiritual warfare, like geez, like that, that's when you're starting to to trespass into an area that's not yours. Um, A lot of times I've noticed this, okay, this is kind of a footnote, side note, is, is a lot of times I see that churches that get overly involved in second realm activities and families that get overly involved in second realm activities. They just have one chaos after another, after another, after another, after confusion, after confusion. And they, they seem to have this idea that, man, the devil is just beating us and he's just throttling us. And, and I would say this, goodness, like I, I know firsthand, like my life has enough chaos on its own that I don't need to step into the ring. I don't need to step into the arena with the devil, not in the second realm. I don't need to do it. And when you do, and when you have that uh, entry point of the second realm, you are opening yourself up to fight something that is stronger than you. 
Okay, And you can use all the Bible verses you want to. Greater is the one that's in me than the one that's in the world. Yeah, the devil's in the world, and Jesus is in you, and Jesus is stronger than the devil, but that means you should let Jesus fight the devil, not you try to fight the devil. You stay in the first realm and the third realm, and you let Jesus do the heavy lifting in the second realm. Does that make sense? And and the, the idea there is you get the results from the realm to which you appeal. So if you want to fight the devil from the first realm you're not going to get many results because Paul says we wage not against flesh and blood. You can't go spank the devil. You can't go spank a demon. Okay, um, You don't want to step into the second realm, but the third realm, Jesus is stronger. Um, l- l- let me give you an illustration. This is like a real-life illustration too. And, and again, hopefully just kind of putting layer upon layer upon layer upon all this, it's, it's starting to make sense. Um I had this guy that I used to work with at Parisian when I was in college. He was my manager. His name actually was Andy. He was a brilliant guy. And at some point, he decided he was going to go work for Aflac. Now, you know, Aflac guys are all commission-based, totally. They sell insurance or uh, co-insurance. Uh, you've seen the commercials when you've been watching football, no doubt. And here's what he would do. And I learned this because he and I would go eat lunch and catch up about once a year and just kind of, hey, what's going on? How's it going? You know, what are you doing? Well, he tells him about this Affleck thing that he's doing. And back in the day when he was doing it, everybody that he knew that was a salesperson was going and they would start trying to land corporate accounts. But they would, because they knew like it's going to be easier to land a corporation than it is to go land one person after a single person, after another individual, after another individual, after another individual. And so they they would try to land a full business. Well, what Andy was doing is he would call the CEO's office of the business, not call a secretary. He knew that if he called a secretary, that secretary could not give him a yes or no. They did not have authority to do that. They did not have authority over the company. All they could do would be to refer him to their boss, who may not have authority and would most likely refer him to the secretary of their boss, who couldn't make a decision, would have to be referred to their boss. That boss usually couldn't make a decision and would have to go three, four times up the food chain. And here's what Andy was saying, is at any given point among all those levels, all those fears of authority, you could be given a no and then it was over and you couldn't appeal any higher, but you could never be given a yes. And so what he did is he said, I'm just going to start calling the CEO. I'll make one phone call. I'll usually generally get their secretary, but I'll tell them what's up and I'll try to get an appointment with that CEO. And then I know they're probably not going to be the one that's going to handle it. It's probably going to be delegated authority down from them. And it's probably going to go somewhere else, which is really how the kingdom of God works and delegated authority is a whole nother lesson for a whole nother time. It's probably going to go down from them to someone. But when it goes down, if it has a yes from them, it's going to be a yes all the way down because you always get the result from the higher authority. And if it comes down from the top, it goes all the way down. Okay, kind of like in our example at Regents Park, if the U.S. decided to take that over, federal government's going to make it a FEMA station for hurricane victims, it's probably not going to be the president that comes down here to do it. 
right? It may be an executive order signed by it, but it's going to be yes that goes down through the departments all the way down to FEMA, all the way down to some lieutenant in FEMA, not not even the top guy, all the way down, comes to somebody who comes local and then deals with our top-ranking guy here in the state and then deals with our top-ranking guy here in the city, and it is all of a sudden taken over. You see, the higher authority always trumps. It always comes down. All right, so, so that means this. If I focus my Christian life on the first realm, which a lot of Christians do, in fact, a lot of sermons focus only on the first realm. And, and I would say this, like this is a footnote. If you can take the sermon that you just heard on Sunday, and if you can take that sermon and you can go just take out the Bible verses and just preach that sermon like at any business and it would apply, you basically heard a first realm sermon. And that's the results and that's the power that you're going to get is a first realm Christian life. Um, we, we could appeal to the second realm and we could see everything as a spiritual battle, but we, again, we don't, we don't have authority there and we're going to feel overburdened because that's not our area of strength. Okay. When we appeal to that third realm, everything that comes down is a yes. Everything that comes down is a, it's a go. It's a, it's a, it's a all on board. It, it is, it's the powerful realm. And that, that's where, again, that's where you and I are seated. Okay. And, and let me say this, as you go up from realm to realm, things actually become easier. Okay. Like my friend, Andy, he did not struggle to grow that business because he had learned early on to appeal to the highest realm and just to work from the highest realm. Okay. So things that are a struggle in the low realms are not a struggle in the highest realm. Um, living things in the natural, in the physical body, first realm can often be a struggle. Fighting in the second realm. Oh my goodness. Like you can just feel taxed after hours of praying and warring, but getting into a sense of ease in the third realm where you're focusing on God is holy He's love, he's peace, he's just, he's good. And letting that trickle down and letting his power trickle down, man, that is easier. Think about it like this. Let me give you some real life examples. If I need money, first realm, creative realm, I can fight and work to earn a million dollars and it may take me years, decades. Um, In the second realm, the spiritual realm of war, I can confess and I can believe and I can faith it. it. It may take me a few years to get that. In the third realm, I can just ask my Heavenly Father who knows what I need before I ask and has promised that he who did not spare his son, how would he not freely give me all things? Do you see? Um, if I'm sick in the first realm, I would immediately go to a doctor. Um, in the second realm, I may confess and believe and exercise faith and, and believe that if I pray long enough and have enough faith and generate enough faith that I'll get it in the third realm. Jesus didn't say to pray and exercise faith. He said, just speak it. He said, just command and heal the sick. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't go to the first realm doctor. Um, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't have some principles there. It just means that that's not where I live. Um, let's talk about the idea of faith. If I, if I need to believe in something, if I need to exercise something, um, in the first realm, in my body, you might hear this phrase from churches. I've heard guys uh, like a, a carpenter from Christ told me this, or carpenters for Christ. Great organization. One time I was talking with some of those guys about some projects they were doing, and he said this, we work like everything depends on us, and we pray like everything depends on God. Like they're praying fervently, 
Hard work, work like everything depends on you and your body, first round. Pray like everything depends on God, okay? Third round. Um, the second realm, we might remove that labor of the body and we might just labor and confess and speak and stand on verses, you know, and we might believe that faith moves things. In, in the third realm, we don't believe that faith is a work. We simply trust, we simply trust our Father. You see, it's different. We simply lean into, we lean into and we rest in the goodness of who He is. Um, look at your relationship with God in the first realm. Our relationship with God, uh, we respond as slaves who are bound to do whatever the Lord tells us. Uh, we look on verses, well intended, we look on verses like where Paul was writing and, and we kind of pull them out of context and say, I am a bondservant of Christ. Um, in the second realm, we're not slaves, we're servants. Um, and we, you, you'll often hear people that'll do this when you come in over something. They'll say, well, I'm just a servant doing my job. But in the third realm, we're not servants. In the third realm, we're sons, we're daughters. Uh, remember the story of the prodigal son? Um, the older brother was there. He's consumed by working, by being a slave or being a servant. He's, he's working as a servant for his father. And his father says, no, 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 no. Like everything I have on this entire estate, everything is yours. Okay. And you remember the younger son, he went and he asked for everything and the father gave it to him. Why? Because he's a son. He didn't have to earn it. Uh, he didn't have to wait until a magic moment. His father was good and gave him everything, even to his detriment. His father gave him everything instantly when he asked, even though it was an insult to the father. And then he lost it all. He squandered it. He was going to come back and he was going to be a slave. And the father says, no, no, you're not a slave. He instantly promotes him from not, not the first realm of being a slave, not the second realm of being a servant who's warring and striving for things. But the third realm, he reminded him, no, no, you are a son. You see? And, and that's, that's a difference. Um, that's a huge difference. And see, I, I would say this. When, when you're operating from the first realm, you might tend to live in fear. And you might tend to think that everything depends on you. And if you don't step up and do it, if you don't physically act, then it's not going to work. If you're living in the second realm, you, you may still have some fear, but it'll be mixed with faith. And you may question, gosh, have I read my Bible enough? Have I prayed hard enough? Did I fast long enough? Did I do the right things in order to make this happen? Because you're still kind of functioning from a servant mentality that if you, you got to clock in, you got to clock out. If you're functioning and living as a son, though, then you don't worry about those things. You may still do the same actions in the first realm. You may still even do the same actions that a second realm person would do, praying and reading scripture. But we're not doing these in warring, and we're not doing these in hoping that we might get something. We have these things already because we're sons and daughters who are seated at the right hand of our Father with Jesus in the third realm. And you see right now, Scripture says that Jesus lives to intercede for us. The book of Hebrews says that as a high priest, He's there interceding for us right now. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit in Romans 8 is interceding with us, praying with groans that can't be uttered right there in the third realm. And when we step into that, we're stepping into this holy huddle of the Trinity that's living in perfect community, 
and we're stepping into something that they're already doing, interceding perfectly with the will of our Father. So we're not trying to get them to change things. We're trying to get and jump into that experience, and we're trying to pull our brothers and sisters into that experience and then even leverage and in the first realm communicate back to them the experience of what we're seeing, sensing, and feeling. There's an author, you know, C.S. Lewis, okay, Line Witch in the Wardrobe, Mere Christianity, um, The the Problem of Pain, uh, all these books, uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, One day when his wife, you know, he waited until later in life to marry, and then his wife got sick, and she was uh, ill in the hospital for a long time. Eventually she died, and he would pray uh, late into the evening, praying about what was going on. And finally, somebody came up to him. He used to be an atheist. He was a staunch atheist, okay? He argued vehemently against Christianity. And somebody finally came up to him and said, why do you pray? Why do you pray? Do somehow you think you're going to change the hand and heart of God? And And the answer for us would be, well, no. Why? Because God is always good. Why do we need to change? He's always good. Why do we need to change him? Because he's always good and he always has our best interest at heart. Why do we need to change his heart when his heart is always good? What are you going to change it to? Right? If he's already perfect, what are we going to change him to? If he's already holy, what are we going to improve on? If he's already completely gracious and totally love, what are we going to what are we going to change, right? C.S. Lewis says, no, I don't pray because prayer changes God. I pray because prayer changes me. In other words, we're jumped into that experience. We're pulled into that. And sometimes that shows us things to do in the first realm, actions to take, people to call, um, things to give, um, ideas to share, concepts to walk into in the first room because we've now seen the heart of the Father. We've now seen where He is. And, you know, like Jesus says, like your Heavenly Father, He knows what you need before you even ask, right? Now, sometimes that doesn't mean you can't ask, and that doesn't mean like these blessings might not drop in, um, but, but, but it, it means that, it, it means that there's nothing in the third realm that can be improved upon. If we're trying to improve spiritually, if we're trying to battle spiritually, we're caught in that second realm. And if you see spiritual warfare as the struggle between good and evil, rather than just this awakening of the grandeur and glory of God and the truths to be experienced and pulled down in the first realm, like what Jesus was saying, our prayers for the kingdom to come. Right? We're not trying to fight up through the second realm. Like we're just jumping from the third realm and bringing things into the second. Okay. And if you're trying to fight and you see prayer and you see supernatural wars, the struggle, then like, goodness, like you're going to find yourself overwhelmed. Okay. And you're going to find yourself spending a lot of time, like worried about what the enemy is going to do next. And feel, and, if, and if you're praying is, is more enemy focused or more Satan focused than savior focused, like somehow you and I have missed it. Like we've, we've jumped off track, okay? We don't want the enemy to be a distraction. We don't want the enemy to get all of our attention. Our attention should be fixed, our eyes on Jesus, is what Hebrew says, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, right? This means like, um, well, let me just go back to that healing example. 
Okay, so like a first-realm Christian might just go to the doctor, period, end of story. Um, a second realm that sees you know, the uncreated realm as being a real issue with spiritual war might start confessing and believing, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Lots of confession, I'm healed, I'm healed. Might still go to the doctor, but still confessing, I'm healed. Okay, because by the way, you know, all these realms matter. Okay, I'm healed, I'm healed. A third-realm Christian, just like Paul, just simply gets bitten by a snake and shakes the viper off. That's in Acts 28. You might still go to the doctor. You might still confess, hey, I'm healed, but you realize you're standing on something bigger. You're standing on something grander. When we face trials of any kind, when we face tribulation of any kind, okay, um, we face it. It's our opportunity to stand in and see the bigger picture of the bigger canvas that God's painting on. And I would say all things work together for the good. It doesn't mean all things are good. All things work together for the good. It doesn't mean God caused all things. All things work together for the good doesn't mean all things are pleasant. And it certainly doesn't mean we need to reframe everything and put this positive spin on it in the midst of chaos and in the midst of hurt. Sometimes that's the absolute worst thing that we can do, especially when we're trying to minister and love someone who's going through something that's really tough. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is get up into the third realm and see what God's got going on, get his love, get it, and then just impart it without words to that friend. And just to let them know that we're there. Like there's this beautiful moment in the book of Job where Job's friends saw the calamity that was going on with him. And they came, and the Bible says for a series of days, they sat down in sackcloth and ashes and they mourned with him. They didn't see the bigger picture of what was going on. Job didn't see it. Eventually, somehow, they saw the bigger picture. It doesn't mean that it wasn't still hurtful and harmful in the moment. But nothing started falling apart until like these guys started talking and started talking things that they didn't understand. So, um, three realms. Three realms. Uh, Paul says this. Let me read you a couple passages. Ephesians 1, 3, and following. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's the third realm. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, okay, that means the third realm existed before the first and second, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us with in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, So notice there's three realms there. Things on heaven, things on earth, they're all affected by the decree in the third realm. That's where everything's headed. In Him, we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things together according to the counsel of His will. Right? See the third realm? It controls the first. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ, we might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. 
For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Okay, Paul's praying there that we would see the different realms that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, in the third realm, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, that is, over everything in the second realm, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet. He put the second realm under his feet, the first realm under his feet. And he gave him his head over all things. He gave him to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who dwells and fills in all. And you, you were dead in the trespasses and sins of the first realm. You were dead to the third realm, he says. And once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that is the second realm affecting the first, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace you're saved. And He raised us up with Him, and He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, you are seated in the third realm. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of the grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, he's decreed from the third realm the things that would be done in the first realm. We get this from Colossians 1, 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Okay, so you see that there's a second realm that's created and a first realm. Things visible, that's the first realm, and invisible, that's the second realm. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Okay, so you see the third realm created the second and the first. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, whether on earth, it's the first realm, or in heaven, that's the second realm, making peace by the blood on the cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, that's your minds in the second realm, doing evil deeds, you do them in the first realm. He's now reconciled in his body, first realm of flesh, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, third realm. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, all creation, second realm and first, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. 
Now notice this from the book of Galatians 16. I say walk by the Spirit, that's third realm, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, that's first and second. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, third realm, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, that's the actions of the flesh, they're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, this is all first realm, because of second realm, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, right? If we live by the Spirit, let us get this walk by the Spirit, third realm. Do you see? As we started this, the foundational truth is this. Everything that's happened to Christ has happened to you. Everything that happened to Jesus has happened to you. You have been crucified with Christ. You've died with Him. You've been buried with Him. You've been raised with Him. You have now ascended with Him, and you're seated at the right hand of the Father, which means even though you live a life in the body right now, Christ is living that life through you in the flesh, in the body, yet as you are in this world, you are like He is. Or to say it the way John says it, as He is, so also are you. Christ does not have a generational curse. There's no striving and no confessing and no believing. It is just receiving and living out the goodness of being caught in that holy huddle in the third realm with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit. So uh, as I sign off, and again, go to the webpage, jenkins.tv slash p slash podcast. I'll put the link in the show notes where you can just download the PDF. No sign up, no opting in. Just get the information for everything that I've just shared with you. My prayers, the Lord bless you, that He keeps you, that He's gracious to you, that He shines His face of favor on you, and that you learn not to live from here but to live from the experience of there, but not to stay there in the third realm, but to bring that experience of the third realm and what you see, what you sense, what you feel, not to fight for it. There's no fighting in the kingdom. There's receiving in the kingdom. There's no striving. The striving has been done. Jesus said, it is finished. There's no striving. The enemy has been stripped of his authority on the cross. And now, yet we're trying to figure some of that out and we're trying to awaken to exactly what that looks like. And I know there's more questions than answers, right? We don't make up answers where we don't have them. But prayer, though, is as you walk and experience that, may you live from the kingdom and bring the kingdom present near. Grace, peace, shalom.